I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is that British? Okay. Oh, you didn't hear my mouth trumpet? No, I didn't hear anything. Oh, too bad for you. Does this work? Is this good? Or does it not make a difference? It sounds fine to me. I sound not good though. Just oh, like, my, oh, my, my mic's not plugged in. <laughs> yeah. It sounded like you were in a tin, in a tin can or something. Yeah, I'm putting it in the bed. Oh my God. So much better. Okay. And then how's the height? Oh my God. So much better. Awesome. But yeah, I do think the way forward is. Yeah, we just need new mics. Space trash. Trash in space. Space trash. Lifestyles. The rich and Uranus. Space trash. Celebrities, they're trash, but the astrology can help us understand. Transmission incoming. (laughs) Greetings, Trashlings, and welcome back to another episode of Space Trash. Lost also to reach and you brightness, and I'm Sarah Armour. And I'm Molly Malshine, and we need new mics, so please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash space trash podcast and join to pay $5 a month, and maybe you'll be able to hear us better. That's just a little bit of housekeeping. Highly recommend. Uh, we're going to be talking about Prince Harry's memoir, The First Third of Spa, the first like 49 chapters. There's a lot of chapters in this bitch. I loved every single thing about this. It made it so bite-sized. It was basically like when you eat the same amount of Reese's, if you eat the big ones or the tiny ones, but you just got more tiny ones. Okay. Each chapter could have been one sprawling. He helped my reading micro goals. He he tailored it to his own reading level is what he did <laughs> in one small and he way. he would admit that, which is why I am now an ultimate Harry's someone tweeted like get harry on z-way asap and i thought that was so funny because i think he would crash i don't know see the thing about harry is he comes across as so self-serious sometimes and then he goes on colbert and he charmed the pants off of everyone he was so charming on colbert so you know maybe he does have more of a sense of humor than i've given him credit for over the past few weeks he does mention a lot in the memoir how much he enjoys making people laugh like is the queen mother and and his the ugly teacher that he didn't find hot or whatever. So I think he is more of a jokester. And, you know, it reminds me of if you read Steve Martin's memoir, it's very yeah. dead ass serious. Yeah. So I need to give him more credit as a comedian. First, I do want to talk briefly about the Golden Globes. Did yes. you watch? Um, I did not watch. I, I watched it for work. The really interesting thing about the Golden Globes this year, this was the first normal Golden Globes since 2020. Because... Oh. Yeah, in 2021, there was COVID restrictions, so there was no real red carpet and everyone had to blast in from on Zoom. And <laughs> in 2022, there were several race scandals. Like they Can you had remind us what those were? Lest we forget. Yeah, so the then president of the HFPA, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which, oh my God, I think I could 
probably join. Um, the, so the, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is the governing body of the Golden Globes. And yeah, I don't even know what that is. It's literally like a ragtag bunch of white journalists from all over the world. But but they're enter- entertainment journalists. So like like you. Yeah, like me. The requirements to get in is like that you have to have had two stories about entertainment published in the last 10 years or something ridiculous like that. Let's get you into the Academy, the, the Global the, Academy, the HFPA. But the thing is, I don't want to be oh, in yeah, it because. Right. I want to be talent. This is the driving issue right, in my life right. is that I keep covering this industry that I want to be a part of, but that's neither here nor there. The thing is, these are kooky Europeans is mostly what the HFPA is made out of. Okay. You're so, like saying basically this is like the Paris fashion week of the Oscars. Even weirder because oh. these people aren't there. It's it's not like it's the European Anna Wintour. It's like, it's the European me sneaking into an Alexander Wang show and writing a story about it. You know what I mean? Like it's the it's the European galore interns. Right. Like, but not even. Like it's like middle-aged people who freelance and write one story a year. Do you know what I mean? Like that's actually like changes. I mean, how could that be, Molly? Like, I know. why are we watching this show then? If I exactly. want to know what some boomers thought about movies, I would talk to my parents. Right. It, it, it's just been going on since. 1943 so that's why we still have it and it's a good precursor to the oscars it's the only award show that unites tv and film and they give awards for comedy musical so like it is it is fun to have but like the emperor has no clothes slightly involved in the entertainment industry kind of knows that but you know everyone's drunk they sit at tables so you're able to get table service and be drinking the whole time like mike white from white lotus he was like i wanted to do my speech in italian but i'm drunk because there was no food and we've been drinking all night like it's the kind of like redheaded stepchild, sorry, Harry, of the <gasps> award season, you know? You like mean the redheaded spa child. The redheaded spa. Anyway, the, the, the race issue, the president last year of the Golden Globes had in 2021 or something, it was during BLM summer, which was 2020. He sent out an email saying that BLM was like run by criminal Marxists. And like he sent this email to like the whole HFPA or something and everyone was like, dude, what? So that was like scandal number one. Scandal number two, people, because that happened, you remember in 2020, because of BLM, there was a big reckoning of like every single slightly untoward thing that anyone had ever done was being exposed, you know? And like- I apologize for stuff from like the eighth grade that I said. Right. And I was posting infographics. It was a mess. So- they they like people started being like and by the way people can literally buy their way into golden globes they just you know accept basically bribes from the studios the studios will give them gifts and be like please vote for our movie like this is a totally corrupt organization why does it have so much power they're completely out of touch like all this stuff was coming up and then someone realized that they had not welcomed any new black members since 2002 so mm-hmm. And and they have members from 55 countries and there were no, I know it's so bad. No new black members since 2002, apparently. So, okay. Um, last year, Oh, sorry. people boycotted Tom Cruise gave back three, his three golden globes. And he said, I'm never going again. Brendan Fraser has been boycotting since 2003 because a different golden globes president groped him at a show. And then they released a statement saying the grope was meant in jest. And Brendan Fraser was like, the guy like fingered my taint. Like Brendan Fraser said, 
yeah, the guy who put his hand on my butt and like put his finger on my taint. And then the Golden Globes response was, well, it was a joke. So there's a huge, there's a ton of issues with this organization. So last year they were in such bad graces of everyone in Hollywood that they couldn't, they couldn't even have a ceremony. That's why they didn't have one. It wasn't COVID. It was because well, everyone they, was like, these people suck. Right. 2021 was COVID. 2022, they had a ceremony, but they didn't broadcast it. The white people are like, retreat, retreat. Yeah. So this year was the HFPA's big chance to redeem themselves in the eyes of Hollywood and NBC because NBC is the broadcaster. So they had to do it on a Tuesday because NBC was like, we're not giving up Sunday night football for this shit anymore. And they clearly had a very low budget. I mean, there was no production value whatsoever. Uh, They didn't have, I mean, you know, Normally they have like Ricky Gervais, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler hosting. They had Gerard Carmichael, who is not as well known as those people. I think it's okay to say that. He's a comedian. How'd he do? Yeah, he was, I, um, he was pretty good. It was, I think it was a tough gig because he right. had to come out and address the elephant in the room, which is this big race scandal. And the fact that all of the people in the room were actively boycotting it last year. So you know, but I think the overall show was to me refreshingly optimistic and people were very excited to be there. Oh my God. I love that. Don't be afraid to let him miss you a little. Right. So I do hope that the organization, I'm sure there's still some rot within the organization because there's rot within every 80 year old organization, but it seems like they're on the right track. You got to join. They'll be way better with you there. I can't join. I don't want to join. I don't want to continue this trend. Could Casey join? No, she's not foreign. I know what you mean, right? It's why I didn't take the job at Caroline's, like working in the office, because it's like, I can't work here. Right. It's like, you want to be the talent. You don't want to be the foreign press. So yeah, I thought it was a breath of fresh air. There were so many nice speeches. Oh my God, Ryan Murphy got a Lifetime Achievement Award and he spent pretty much his entire acceptance speech talking about the LGBT actors and performers that he has platformed and saying, yeah, like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. He was like telling all their life stories and stuff. He immediately, when he got up there was like MJ Rodriguez was the first uh, trans woman to win best actress last year, but because it was over or two years ago, but because it was over zoom, she never got her moment. So I want everyone to applaud her right now like it was great he literally spent the entire speech passing figuratively passing the mic to the people that he has kind of helped become famous i love that and it was really refreshing especially after we've been talking about nepo babies for weeks and to just hear him being like this person lived in their car until blah 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 this person moved to la with three dollars and a walnut in their pocket you know it was really it was really such a affirming great reminder. for the artists affirming. Thank you for seeing the artists, Ryan. Yes. Yes. And, and like Jennifer Coolidge was so on point. She was hilarious. Nicole Byer was hilarious. Regina Hall was hilarious. There were so many really great moments of talented people entertaining on stage, which I don't know why we haven't seen that in a while, you know? Well, I, guess I mean, I can't say the same because I've recently been to Broadway, but yes, in general. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, like like on television, because I think the Oscars are so snooty. Does anybody, I feel like the Emmys and the, and the Oscars are kind of like the same vibe. People don't care as much about the Emmys. Also, they right. don't take place in award season. They're in September. So right. I don't know why they do it that way. But 
But yeah, the Grammys are also coming soon. But that's a different beast because musicians are so weird that like it's always and the Grammys always just seem kind of like a little bit payola esque. You know, (laughs) they're kind of always just giving it to they. It kind of seems like the Recording Academy picks a favorite and they give all the awards to them every year, and it doesn't make any sense. And like it's kind of like it's just like rigged. Yeah, it's and then right, it's always like so and so won eight awards. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I don't know. I really liked the Golden Globes, which is, uh, it was refreshing. It was nice. It was optimistic. And it made me feel like, you know what, there are some really talented people working and they're not all influencers or reality stars or Nepo babies. Like there actually are people that are like putting in the work and using their brains a little bit because they're still actors, but they are using their brains. Wait, one thing I want to say though, and maybe I'll cut it two jokes that just came Wait, out well you, you cut out the part where i said even though they're actors they're using their brains i'm trying to be a little bit less of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> okay we need to have like another um point you can leave that in actually. i'm trying have- to be less of a bitch i'm sorry it's it, it it is it's just funny because when you are watching any award show you're hyper aware of the fact that these are the most privileged people some of the most privileged people on the planet and they're televising a circle jerk for themselves so it is always a little bit annoying but i just think when the entertainment level is there and tv and film scripted television and film is the new novel you know what i mean because we've we've got so many more dumbed down forms of entertainment that are competing for space with these things that actually take so much forethought and and effort and talent and and money and nepotism to put together so so it yeah that um Oh God, I'm just trying to be nice. Speaking and I of, still like reality shows, but you know what I mean. Sorry, go ahead. Speaking of Gerard Carmichael and just making this about me, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of things to say. Anyway, um, can I make my, my quick joke though and then maybe it's a segue? Yeah, you can make a quick joke. Speaking of the emperor has... No clothes. Oh, like Harry, I get it. Okay. The Irish Frozen Penis Association. <laughs> the Aries Former Palace Association. Okay, perfect perfect segue. Spare. Spare. My Prince Harry. Part one. Sarah, what were your first impressions? I'm in love. I thought from the, you know, the press, the leaks from beforehand, I was getting really fed up because Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, these guys are so annoying. They're still annoying, but people um, are annoying. People are annoying. And uh, I just, okay. First, first surprise to me, Harry is taking this book, took this book so seriously. And he should. Yeah. 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 But his family, his family are the literal queens and kings of taking everything really fucking seriously. But I mean, like, it, it was a it was a pleasant surprise because yeah. I've I've read a lot of celebrity memoirs in my day. Even was, like the the Andrew yeah. Morton Diana book is not this detailed. Like he has there's so many chapters. He put so much time and thought into this. And like you just know that he was sitting there at his desk with his crayon, like writing his little heart out before yes. he finally said to the ghostwriter, like, okay, maybe perhaps you can type it. But like <laughs> you know that he put like he puts so much work into this, and that's really endearing. It everything about this is endearing to me. 
the first thing that I thought was, wow, it says so much more about specifically the Spanish because they're the ones that got the leak, you horny fucking fox. But like it says <laughs> so much that like what we what we the information. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it isn't that crazy. It all comes down to capitalism and like what sells papers. But as Ari says, like, you know, bad news or sex. So like for them to keep trashing him or saying, oh, my even us last week, we were like, can you be this is like smut. And then I'm reading it. I'm like, wow, wait a second. Like, this is the most intimate um heartfelt self-effacing but also has done the work i i I was like oh there's hope for men it was so vulnerable it was so because he can't be anyone that he's not he can't have been born into a different family he can't have you know his feelings are allowed i don't think he trashes anybody he's actually just sharing that they're a real family and that these are i don't think he says anything that is like right i think he's talking about his experience with family and his position in it and I well, think he's really loving I think he really loves his family I have to I do have to say we didn't get to the drama parts yet oh okay so right maybe that's true maybe that's true right uh, per, yeah right, I, maybe there's a third maybe there's a uh an act break that I that we haven't quite come over yet but I thought as, yeah. as far as part one goes I thought wow what what a what an accountable reflection See that, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying, except for like accountable and did the work because I think he thinks he did the work. I think he's paid the bills for the work. I think this is part of doing the work. But I still see a lot of examples of just like moments where accountability is not taken. And of course, we're all human. And I'm sure that someday when I write my memoir, there will also be moments that make people want to slam their head against the wall. Where do you wish he had taken more accountability in part one? Okay, like one thing, just the the way that he he never ever mentions ever the extreme love that the public feels for him has felt for him since he was a kid, and he never mentions the positive press that he and Megan have gotten, which outnumbers until they left outnumbered the negative by a long shot, and like that is kind of a pattern that like he. He talks about when he's in Africa and he he's getting interviewed by this journalist and the journalist is asking like pretty softball questions and he's seething the whole time. Like he's just so angry. And like, I understand why he needs the press to be a scapegoat for him. And I understand why it's the most convenient scapegoat, especially with the way that his mom died, even though you could also argue that like, uh, uh, you know, working with a drunk driving charity could have done wonders as well for humanity, but Like, I I just, there's just certain things where I don't see him saying he made mistakes. The part in the beginning in the graveyard. The whole thing is him saying he made mistakes. My first and foremost real judgment of him is I can't believe he likes friends so much. British people love friends. They love it. It's really, yeah, it's really weird. And they don't get Seinfeld. Oh, right. Maybe because like Seinfeld is like just too nuanced. And so they're like, friends is like so basic. And that must be what America's like. And like, I'm gonna stop right there. Yeah, it's really weird, too, because British people, they kind of pride themselves on saying that they have like a dry sense of humor. And I'm like, what's drier than Seinfeld? Well, I guess, but it, 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 and, and unless you don't get the jokes. I don't think they get the jokes because really Seinfeld is just sort of mirroring the annoying things about like specifically Jewish New York culture or just like New York culture. Yeah, or just like weird little awkward things in interacting with people. I think British people already feel so awkward all the time that it's kind of hard for them to detect the humor in it because they're just like, isn't this everyone? 
but like if for right. Americans, it's like we only think about the awkwardness for like a second and we assume that no one else feels it. So it's more cathartic for us maybe to watch Seinfeld. Yes. But I don't know. I, I, like I said, I mean, I don't think there's anything for him to be accountable in part one. I think I, I'm hard. Right. He's a kid in part one. He's yeah, a kid. Yeah, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. And so that's where it's like he, he should just be reflecting on his experience from that time, which I think he does beautifully. It's so vulnerable. It's so real. And like, you know, I'm just, I feel for him because honestly, to me, what this whole book is about so far is the search for anybody to say, Harry, we care about you. And you might say the British, there's yeah. so many people in the British public, but you know what? Like even you, Ma, like all of our patrons love you in your memoir. You might not be like in those 11 people, like, <laughs> <laughs> but like you know which page when the patreon we we love some new mics but anyway um it's like the, the you know what i'm saying like, though yeah but i okay and maybe and he could come back around but that's not what it's about it's just the whole thing and the reason i'm saying this is because of who i am as a person i <laughs> molly what a funny i just want to say though the reason I'm saying this <laughs> is because of who I am as a person. I just want to say for everyone, that goes without being said, my dude. I, I know, I know. This is implied. Well, this is implied. Because, okay, Sarah, you don't strike me as a person who wallows much. You maybe wallow like once a month. You're well, like if I a, wallow, I make it a photo shoot. We do cry selfies. Yeah, you, you're happy-go-lucky. I wallow with the best of them. I really do. And I think it runs in my family. And it's a constant battle for me to stop wallowing. And it's Can we something, define wallowing? Just dwelling on the negative. And, oh, yeah, I never do that. Never not for one second. Yeah, and being obsessed with this, like, victim idea, you know? Like, every email to me on a bad day is an assault, you know? <laughs> like, I... Yeah. So I have this tendency, and he is... He clearly has this tendency. Yeah. And and so does his dad in the stuff that his dad has written or ghostwritten or taken part in. It's the thing that some people have. And this book, for me, it feels like he's so indulging the, the temptation to wallow that it just makes every red light go off in my brain where I'm like, we cannot go down this path. We cannot go down this path. And I also really dislike the way that he talks about his staff, the way that he talks about, I'm sorry. I know. Oh, I I'm, love the way he talked. What did you like about his staff? I think he really loves them. I think those are the only people that he feels comfortable with. No, well, again, we didn't get to this part, but it gets worse when he starts, when Megan comes into the picture, he has nicknames for all the people that he doesn't like and stuff. Him admitting that he got the quote from the opening of the book from brainyquotes.com was the most, that's the most humility I've seen from a royal, I think maybe ever. He doesn't know that's humble. He thinks that's where everyone gets their quotes. I count it accidentally. He, but again, yeah, we do. Sometimes we do, you know, like I just, that, that knowing that he's actually at home, like, just like, I'm going to like look through brainy quotes and see what I put in my profile to look smart is like so like real person. <laughs> I know, but it's funny because he, he divulges it because he doesn't, I feel like he, he doesn't, doesn't know that's better. It's yeah. just an embarrassing thing to say, which is just very cute to me but to me the yeah, whole thing is. with the wallowing i don't think it's that he was saying he's wrong i think he's building us up to this story i think he's like build he's just trying to show like how much as a child not only obviously his mother's death affected him but then it, how he tried to push through it it, it then it, it sort of explains why the army was actually as appealing to him as it was which it then made sense to me and i yeah. think what the big build-up probably is if i know a three-act structure is because it's all going to come down to finally meeting megan yeah um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I just felt like the whole first third 
you don't need to make a case for me that your life was miserable and saved by one person because it's not the truth. I just don't find that to be authentic. But I don't think that his life was miserable. I think he was saying my family has continued to hurt my feelings like systematically this whole time. And each other's feelings. There was nothing really nice or positive until he gets to Africa in the first third all up until that is about you know not fitting in not being close with his brother blah 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 and I just it the the negativity with which he looks at his relationships with all of the rest of his family feels a little bit like revisionist history to me because Mm. I, I I don't know like the part where he's like my dad didn't know how to communicate blah 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 and it's like he's a British boomer royal Right, and and then the he's point. like, and he told, and he called me, but then he says, like, he calls me darling boy. He writes me these letters about how proud he is of me. And I'm like, that sounds pretty nice. Like, I don't know. I, I don't I just, know. I get the sense that the, the vibe is sort of like, everyone's doing the best they can within this very, like, whatever you guys all want to say about like, oh, you have castles, oh, you have money, whatever you want to say about it. Everyone's doing the best they can. And no one's granny. No one's grand. No one's grand. And everyone's doing the best they can. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I actually thought that Harry was sort of making a lot of comparisons between him and his father, sort of saying, I understood him in this way, or I understood him in that way, or in these ways he didn't, we didn't understand each other. I think he's just trying to differentiate himself. I think all he wants from this book is for us to just know him. Yeah, you're reading it in a more charitable way than I am. But I did it did occur to me like midway through reading part a more one, charitable I was like, way. Yeah. Midway through part one, I was like, he's really just looking for connection. Like yeah. if he if what he says is true, he's never really felt that accepted by anyone for his entire life. But you do have a few little spurts of like people that he connected with. Well, and then um, his best friend also died in a car crash. It's like, whoa. I know. That was crazy. I, that was so sad. And yeah. it kind of like, I would have thought that that would have gotten more airspace than some of the other stuff. Do you know what well, I mean? The thread that I'm seeing is that every few chapters, we are reminded that everything changed when Mommy died in July 1997. And then I think once the friend died, he becomes sort of like the B storyline of the other person that died in the crash that changed my life a second time. Yeah. And it's interesting because I guess it's just sort of a window into how he processed the trauma because to him, from what he says in this book, he never, he didn't accept for a long time that his mom died. So when his Which friend I died, loved. I, 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 lo- I told that made me like him so much. I thought, wow, what a like, Man, this kid's really trying. Yeah, it was so sad. And but then so when his friend dies in a car crash, it doesn't register as history repeating itself. And he says that he's like, because my well, my mom didn't die. So this felt different, which I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, and very it, sad. Yeah, yeah. One, and, and just like, po- like poetic. And I mean, in a in a dark way, but poetic. Yeah. And it's it's also really interesting. He has no recollections really of the time before she died he doesn't even talk about any living memory of her besides little glimpses and sense memories like the way she looked the way she smelled the way the way her cream smelled before i put it on my frostbitten right. tolja you know like right. i mean i did think like right uh that was very funny that like the first time that she really came up is like my mommy smelled like my frozen tolja it's like okay i know it was really interesting but yeah, I, but the thing that is bothering me is just like, I don't know, the way that he he doesn't, 
I will stand by this. And I, I know that I can be unfair when it comes to him because like I said, I see myself in his moments. Yeah, I was going to say, because your chart is uh, like a different version of him. <laughs> right, exactly. And Literally. I see myself in in his mopiness and it's something yeah, that he's I'm like you. 24-7 trying so hard not to mope. But I do just feel, and what turns me off is he just doesn't know how good he has it. Yeah, and but that's, I, what, that's what I could say. I could say the same thing about you. I know how good I have it. Yes, but like. In terms of material comfort, I know yeah, but how that's good just I have how, it. Yeah, but that's the conversation that you're in because material comfort is the thing that you care about. Yeah, he doesn't have a material comfort problem. He has an emotional comfort problem. So, well, he, he doesn't, doesn't have a material know? comfort problem because he has no idea what it's like to work for a living. Yeah, but that's not his fault. I know, but you should try to be aware of your privilege and and understand that, like, you know, the journalist who you're shitting on and calling names in your book might have been on 40 grand a year or less. You know well, what I but mean? Actually, like, he, I get the sense that he doesn't even know that the, the times that he does refer to journalists by like as characters, he's like, no, I looked them up and like they have like three houses, including a new beach house, all bought by pictures taken of my family and me. Okay, well, what was your family's wealth from? You told us in Netflix. Right, I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what annoys me. It's just, like, he's perfect. Yeah, but perfect. I do think, I think, remember, I think part one is, I think he is writing, it's a memoir, but it's like, it's, he's writing it from the person, like, maybe by the end, he'll have some, some revelations. I have a feeling maybe there'll be more about Diana when Megan comes back into the picture, because then he'll be, he did like cry about it. And also, point, but I'm sorry. I that thing about saving all the love for the end is like in a crescendo. I hope so. The thing about the houses is so myopic as well. Cause it's like, Harry, they make that money on the sports section, the politics section, like, right. believe it or right, not, there, right. there's a couple other stories going on on a that's daily funny. basis. And I know that's rich coming from me. Cause we've been covering this nonstop for like that's two weeks, funny. but you know, it's like, that's just the, the, the little things that get under my skin. Um, in the writing of the book, because I'm like, I just want, I so badly want to be on your side, but when you mope like this and when you shit on an entire industry that my whole family happens to be a part of, you can see why that is triggering to me. And I do think a lot of this, obviously this, some of the stuff the press put him through these specific people, these individuals is completely fucked up and terrible. And for everyone, um, Rebecca Brooks, who he make up made up a stupid nickname for, for every one of her, there's a hundred other people that are writing fluff about how awesome he is every day. You know what I mean? And like slideshows of look at Megan's amazing royal style and things like that. I feel like so, I haven't seen anything nice written about either of them for like over a year now. Right. Yeah. Now, but before they left, and in like U.S. magazines and things like that, like anything that's not a like semi-right-wing tabloid is going to mm. have fluff about them you know it's mm. only now that the tables are turning and mainstream and sort of left-leaning publications are saying all right enough already you guys because up until that point it was just well we can't put our lot in with the racist right-wing tabloids so they always got good press from everybody but mm. I don't know. You, you can see what well I, again though, I think it's like his perspective like because so much of the story of his life in terms of how 
he's experienced it. First of all, there's a difference between the press and paparazzi. Yeah. Right. So like that's when the first thing. He also confesses. He conflates in social media trolls with that too. Like when he right. talks in interviews, he doesn't, he, he's one of these people. I mean, I say all the time, I hate when people say the media as a monolith because it's right. like, use, use your words, be specific. He doesn't like unflattering press about himself. That's right. what he doesn't maybe like. He doesn't like. Maybe he doesn't like tabloids, but I think actually what he's getting at is that he doesn't really like being a royal. He doesn't like that yeah. this isn't his choice. And I can, everybody can fuck off who's like, if you don't want to be famous, Harry, then like slink back into nothingness. It's like, no, now not only does he need to make a living, but like, actually he already is famous no matter what. That's the whole point. So we might as well at least be able to, I think him sharing his story is such a big deal. And if he seems mopey, just in, in defense of our, if he seems mopey, I think we have to remember that like men in general, are not encouraged to have feelings or to care about being seen or heard or unless it's in the um, like professional sense, which he really doesn't even have a shot at really finding out about his, you know, career potentiality because it's just, he was born into this. Right. Well, he would have a shot if he decided to not write books and do Netflix and get a normal job. Right. But I, I get, I get where, it, whether it's like blame the royal sometimes things aren't it's funny you'll t- you'll talk to two sisters like i have a lot of sisters clients you'll talk to two sisters about their parents and they have two complete my mom my mom's sister just passed and so all the siblings have been together all four of the siblings have a very different impression of what their parents were like you know so oh yeah i i, I sort of think that it's not it's it's He's sharing what he can share. I thought it was really deeply intimate. I thought he was really brave. I think he's he's really giving us a lesson in, okay, no matter what, no matter how much you're trying to slam your head against the table or tell you to shut the fuck up, you have a right to share your feelings. There will be people that can hear you. And I don't think we have a lot of examples of men doing that, like actually reflecting. Oh my God, I feel like they never shut up. They never shut up. But, <laughs> but, but there's a huge difference between like, you know, uh, Gary V. Market, market, market. Every guy, you know, that's maybe you're not yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, Gary yeah. V. Memoir, which I I don't know if that exists, but LOL. But it's like I actually could tell you about it. He owns a big. Uh, his store was actually at uh, a big wine and spirits store in Springfield, New Jersey. But anyway, yeah. Um, I just think. Well, this the thing is, is so he, beautiful. He's... Like it's it's a beaut- and I think and I think the real crux of the issue it's when we're to me the thing that the media is getting wrong but then again it's like let's define the media yeah who's the media when i I scroll through the headlines and desi actually made a point about this at the moonual last time too like that like even the headline that you read last time which is like harry like goes against what megan said on oprah yeah that was a shitty headline that's not what happened and like yeah that was a bad one all these things saying like how mortified Harry looks during her big cur- curtsy moment? No, he doesn't. I think and, he does. I mean, even if he does, that's like not like news. That's like your opinion. It's just your opinion, man. Like I don't think he does. I think he fucking loves her, and I think he's doing everything in his power to protect their relationship. I don't think he would let them keep it in if he thought that he was like. I mean, maybe he's uncomfortable because he's just uncomfortable about being a royal in general, which we know. But like, I don't think he's embarrassed of her whatsoever. And I think that like you know the news reporting like 
Harry has done it now. He's fucked things up with everyone. Everyone begging Harry to shut the fuck up. There's so much of just like, why is he still talking? And it's like, hey, if you read it, actually, you might realize you've never heard anything. that he, I've never heard anything that he said before. This is the only time I've ever really gotten a glimpse into the modern royal family life, especially because even if you do read from Charles or Diana or whatever, the queen did update the rules and regulations officially as she went along. So it was a different scene. Uh, navigating the Camilla relationship and hearing how he's, you know, kind of goes back and forth about what he wants for his father, but then also how he feels for himself, you know. Um, right. But the thing about like, that's a perfect example where I'm like, I don't see a person that has fully done the work because he says all the time, like, it's a big talking point. It's a big storyline that William asked him to slow down with Megan and he was incensed. He was like, how dare you? And then he's, and he's, which is fine. Like, it's fine to be um, offended by your brother. But you know, that. you know. But then he has like this whole part of the book where he's like, we didn't want my dad to marry Camilla and we didn't understand why she was doing it. And it's like, totally how do you not? different though. How's totally it different? different? Because one of them, you're a child and your mother was getting cheated on publicly and your mother was throwing herself downstairs and then ended up being killed, you know, in a post-divorce car crash with her boyfriend. Like, no, I think Harry blames Camilla for being the person who made it impossible for him to have even a semblance of what he would have, at least in his mind, thought would have been a normal family life. And that's just so normal for a kid to have a problem, not only with their stepmom, but after their mother has been widowed and knowing that she was actually the concubine the entire time it's like that's really well, he's he hard. says that he had no problem with his dad being with her and he was happy that they were happy he was yeah. happy that his dad was happy and he's like just don't marry her and i don't know i just see parallels with that and william saying to him like just be careful because we're part of this thing that's really high pressure and you just want to make sure that you take your time and people are coming into it for the right reasons like planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I, I just feel like those are the kind of little things of like self-awareness that are missing a little bit just to even make a joke about it and be like, you know, I would later get annoyed that William did this, but whatever, this is why it's different. And to his credit, he does say now he's like, okay, fine, whatever. I can tell they're happy. So it's, it's fine with me, but I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like, how dare one person do this, but then I can also do it. Nah, he's a kid and that's the perspective he's writing from. And, and the work is never over. The minute that you're like, I've done it. I've reached full enlightenment. There was just a crackdown at the Buddhist monk temple 
because they're all on drugs. No human being on earth until the day they die is ever just like healed. The work is done. That's why I like, know. Just because you meditate but I just... two times doesn't mean that you meditate. You either meditate as a practice or you don't. Healing is a healing, balancing. These are all everyday long-term practices. I know. It's just funny because totally. Also, Camilla you... seems like a cunt. I thought you liked her. No, no. I am. I am like her. Okay. But like, she, I mean, I'm not, I, I, yeah, I'm more of a, a Jewish American version of somebody who gets caught up in things when passion is really present and the soul connection reverberates through my soul. But you know what I mean? I mean, I, I'm not, I don't like Camilla or not like Camilla. I just feel bad for her in that position. I don't think it's the traditional, like dad's cheating storyline. He, he's loved Camilla the whole time. He always loved Camilla. And, you know. I mean, a love so great that, in fact, the rules were changed for her. Like, they love each other. And, yeah, you know, I think, I don't know. I totally get, they lost their mom. And it, it's not that it was Camilla's fault or anybody's fault, but it's like, his father never gave his mother a shot. I mean, D- Diana had no shot. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there are, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go through our notes and highlights and things that we have. This first thing that I highlighted, this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about, where the self-awareness, in my opinion, is not there. He's in the um, at Windsor waiting for his dad and his brother. And he says, I turned my back to the wind and saw looming behind me the Gothic ruin, which in reality was no more Gothic than the Millennium Wheel. Some clever architect, some bit of stagecraft, like so much around here, I thought. So he's like shitting on the architecture in Windsor around Windsor Palace because he's like, well, this is a this is a modern thing that they've made to look like this other thing and it's like okay well you live in a mansion that looks like the olive garden (laughs) you know like what kind of stagecraft is that like oh some spanish conquistadors came to santa barbara and built it and left and it's just perfectly preserved until today do you know what i mean it's just like i do the little things where i'm like okay but come on but okay whatever that also could have been that's so funny molly that's a good joke though you could do that on stage like come on you look it look you you live in an olive garden. It, it actually that is exactly what it, it looks does look like. like the Olive Garden. It's, it's funny. So funny. But anyway, um, okay, yeah, he loved his grandfather, which is really sweet. I think his grandfather, he's really similar to him. I think they look exactly alike. That's why I always get I stick up for him when people are like, oh, he's not Diane. His he's not Charles's son. I think that's so shitty and tacky when people talk about that because it, it definitely really is, is tacky. That's why I was even saying yeah. the fact that the fact that Charles even may have alluded to that even as a joke is like so mean. It's like this guy feels so rejected. Stop rejecting. I know, him. but I think that I think he was doing it as sort of a. Uh, a ph- philosophical thing like am i me are you you right i right. might yes, have, yes. you know it is it does it does but i like him for that like he does it's like okay harry like if you didn't go to college you do he does sort of have the charm of like a young man like finally like coming into himself like philip roth vibe in a way like right right you right, know right. like young first year of college and i discovered all these things right like he he kind I, of gives- as i separate from family i find out this about the world and myself like he just did mushrooms for the first time yeah. and he's like, you guys, you don't understand. Like everything's connected. And you're like, exactly. okay. It's so charming though to me. Cause it's like at the end of the day, I hear him. I, I, I think he's 
deep and eloquent in a way that now um deep come on sarah don't get crazy deep for somebody who actually has been taught that being deep is a waste of their time i mean for the royals to actually remain in position they actually have to like in the way that like the american capitalists have to like turn down their the volume on their empathy in order to have a little bit more narcissism in order to make any money the royals literally have to turn the volume all the way down on like introspection i think that's just a trait of this particular family i don't think it's Mm. a i don't think it's self-preservation i just think they're all a little dull well no that was what they they kept saying though like granny always would say like the 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 motto she lived by whatever it is like never explain never complain never explain yeah and listen to him but it's like (laughs) but it's like um i feel like that was his way I feel like that's actually like an overarching theme this idea that like everybody is living in fear of this all of a sudden the rug being pulled out from this even being an institution anyway like I I think that they are trying to just maintain what was so that they can be protected like this, this the firm can be protected and I think he's like just calling bullshit on it well he's calling bullshit on it because he is the spare is the spare exactly but um, that would really bother me too I and actually know. one of the things that jumped out at me is just like how biblical actually this all is you know, know it's like at the end of the day like queen victoria the mother of royals you know ultimately we just have to you know what it, it, it's it's you know uh jesus versus ishmael it's it's literally she's the one who turned it into the proto kardashians like she was the one who was like oh the point of royalty if we keep all of this absolute power then we will be off with our heads because the world is moving away from that so we Mm -hmm. just have to be like the model of family life and then and like give them a smile for the cameras like yeah what they want so she's the one who turned it into this kind of reality Mm -hmm. show before reality shows I think, you know, yeah, they're all, they're all pretty intellectually incurious besides yeah. Charles to his credit. He's the only one who seems to like read books and all. Um, yeah, and, and he so- does know love. I think Elizabeth and Charles, I think they know love. Yeah. She, Elizabeth and Philip was a love match, but Elizabeth was, uh, uh not read, not Cabbage. reading books. I will say she was not reading no. books. Who has time and- for that with four corgis and feelings to repress? to the public to the public (laughs) exactly like i don't even know if they know that they're not that smart but and and it's not just harry it's all of them but the other thing is i think they also do themselves a disservice by being so insulated being in going to eat and ludgrove and being around all these upper crusty sorts of people because and this is what I always say whenever people are like why like when I get asked on other podcasts or whatever why can they be so upset when they are in this privileged position and it's because they're surrounded by people who are just as privileged as them if not more who don't have to deal with royal life with being public so right in comparison to the world that they live in actually they are handicapped right which which is why like their parents by sending them to these hoity-toity schools don't do them any favors i mean and at least they go to school now like we said uh, we've said before elizabeth didn't even go to school they kept her home like imagine what a friggin weirdo you would turn out to be if you were just tutored and hang out with your sister all day like love you case but i'm glad i got the social skills of branching out a little bit you know, so like this, this is the thing that 
this book also drives home is like, yeah, he was surrounded by other children of privilege 24 seven and then, and servants. So like, and then there's the servants that he likes and then there's the ones that he dislikes and he gives them mean nicknames, which we'll get to in part two. So I haven't got, I haven't, I haven't quite gotten there yet. Yeah. So you just kind of want to be like, you just kind of want to, I don't know. I just want him to, I just want to see him acknowledge like one time. I am so lucky in so many ways, but he you know, did. I, I think he did say that. I mean, he talks about the beauty of all of the places. He gives us very intimate details about the scents. These are uh, what well, we did find out. These are real scent guys. These guys love the scents. He does love the scents. He he um, gets really annoyed when his tutor at Eaton singles him out and asks him about his great, great, great grandfather. Yes. And he can confronts the guy after class. He's like, you wouldn't single out any other student. And it's like, I'm sorry. You're not related to who we're talking about. (laughs) Right. And also like, don't all teachers single students out? They call on you if they think you're going to, they're going to catch you out. They call on you. The trick is to actually raise your hand. Right, 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 right. And then they won't. Um, But yeah, Yeah. back to the highlights in part one. I thought this was released. I mean, we get the William is bald thing in on like page three, which is hilarious. (laughs) I mean, you could come on petty, just petty and mean you know it's true and he also needs i mean we're we're gonna have to come to a day of reckoning where we talk about harry's comb over because it's becoming (laughs) it is becoming trumpian and that's now that he's in hollywood do you think that he'll get plugs oh he has plugs already for sure his he's got more hair than he did like three years ago that's definitely one perk of being the spare it's like some sort of weird, I mean, William could get it if he wants. It's some sort of weird irrigation is going on where like the top hair is very fluffy. Uh-huh. It's becoming like its own little like mechanism up there. And it would, I would never make fun of that, but not for the fact that he went out of his way to, to mention William's alarming baldness. It's like, bro, come on. We, you're, you're hanging on by a thread. And yet one could argue that if you describe the trees on the onset of winter, it wouldn't be a judgment, merely an observation that now the trees were bare of leaves. That was great. You should be a ghostwriter. So I, it made me sad when he says that at Philip's funeral, Charles said, please <clears throat> hold on. Let me do the voice. Yeah. Oh, what's Charles's voice? Cause Harry's is, Harry's is like this, but a little more forceful. And Charles is like, please, boys. Right? Yeah. Do it, again, do it again. Do the voice again. Please, boys. Yeah, yeah. Please, boys. Please, boys. Yeah. It's got a little bit of like a wobbly, sad yeah. donkey. Sad yeah. donkey to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's spot. got so many years having to use that quiet voice on the phone that it's sort of like, I think it. it yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Someone coming. Tampon. Please, boys. <laughs> don't make my final years a misery. Right. That's, That's what he said. A good impression. That's a good don't impression. Don't make my final years a misery. Very good. There's a bit of like a walrus cheek going on. Yes. But isn't that sad? Please, boys, don't make my final years a misery. Uh, his voice sounded raspy, fragile. It sounded, if I'm being honest, old. Like, thanks for that detail, has. Like, and, and it's, it's just sad because he's like, please, boys, don't make my life a final misery. And then this entire book follows. <laughs> it's like, wow. do you, how do you uh, not yeah. know what he's talking about? But, but I think what, I think what's being said without being said is, oh, you don't want me to care about your misery for your last few years of your life. You have not cared about my misery ever. I've had a, I, I don't, so I, I think he's, he's had nice things too about moral sounds lovely, but I do think he's saying I've lived in misery and you, you haven't like, you're not responsible for my misery. Why would I be responsible for yours? I think he just doesn't understand. 
I think no one in this family understands where anyone else is coming from. That I think is it's just the that whole yeah. thing. When feelings are repressed on such a high level from the top down, nobody can really have conversations where intimate sharing and deep listening without being react like they're just in a constant fight they're in a perma fight that they can't seem to get out of and it always goes back to well well you did this well i was born to be a spitter well i was born to be an heir well it's like it's like what i think about this book is like i hope william reads it and goes wow my brother really loves me i, I guess that's what you're you're getting I'm getting the-, the sense that they are a normal family except that they are really not allowed to be you're getting the sense that William would read the book and say, my brother really loves me. I do actually. I think, I think he's angry with him. I think he's coarse with him. And again, I have to finish the book, but I think there's a clear longing for his brother. I think the, the closeness that they felt growing up, the times that he was hurt by William. And as they got older, what it seems, what seems to be happening is that as William gets closer to becoming the king, he becomes less and less of Harry's friend because he's actually in his own shit has nothing to do with Harry. Actually. He's like thinking like, am I like, is this my life? And it is also side note, William is a double cancer in the eighth house. It's really interesting to me that both of these men have eighth house sons because that's the Scorpio house. So Mm -hmm. on some level, they are both here. Not only what does eighth house represent like inheritance and debt and, intimate connection and it also is the things that you know we tend to keep behind closed doors or we shy away from sharing so not only have they both spent their lives not only shying away from sharing but part of their inheritance is and by the way what you're inheriting is the inability to be even allowed to share IRL and I think Harry is like sort of subverting the system because at the end of the day the North Node is in Taurus and his safety in the North Node in the fourth house in Taurus, he is meant to create a safe emotional space for himself on Earth and use that sun in the eighth house to light up the dark in Virgo about the things that are sick about where he's coming from and what he's inheriting. And for William, with a, a cancer new moon in the eighth house, he's just like, shut the fuck up. I know he doesn't want to talk about it. He's like, I'm doing this thing. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to keep it alive. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to keep it alive for me Mm -hmm. and my wife and our kids. I don't really know why, but I've decided this and I don't want to talk about it. So Mm -hmm. it is kind of a funny, I mean, it's wild. Because they did seem like they were friends. It doesn't sound like until, until they got older were they're real. um, Because I also think the thing that we're not keeping in mind about William, should he ever write a memoir, I expect to see this. The thing that we're not considering is that William and Harry does sort of mention it. It's not just that William also isn't really allowed to be close to his brother because he has a job to do, which is become the king. He actually is born to care more about being a king, staying king and becoming the the succession trumps all. Right. Mm. So that's very isolating for him. He also is competing with his father, his father, who who spent according to the crown years campaigning to get his living mother off the throne because she was unpopular. We don't even know if that's true or not, but that's what he did. Then he finally gets his chance. And actually Kate and will extremely popular. I know like, Charles is a really like sad figure just in he's general. Like scar. He's like the scar of the, he's the scar of this whole family. 
Yeah, like he's just he can't catch a break besides being rich as fuck, you know. Mm-hmm. And finally um, been with Kami. But right, like I think that William's in a really hard position because he also is alone. I think with Kay, maybe he's not as much, but he also is alone and he's not really allowed to be close to his father or his brother either. He is though. He he I think they were close. I think him and Harry were right. close. But but I think what I think why Margaret and Elizabeth could maintain a longer term, very close friendship. And the boys are having a more difficult time. Well, it's it's because Margaret understood the privilege that the crown offered. And, and she wanted that above all else. Whereas Harry is like, I just want to be out on the farm on a horse, being a jackaroo in Australia. But I also think that- And she was so much more sheltered. Definitely, it's a different time. What I'm hearing in the book, and again, Cancer Sun, Cancer Moon, also Kate's a Cancer Moon too. So they are reinforcing the fact that like everything is dangerous. For, and Cancer Moons are very emotional. A touchy. And mm-hmm. William, in working really hard to not appear emotional and not be too moody- I mean, he clearly has some some moods, swings. I don't think that William, at a certain point, William stopped having the capacity to hear anything Harry was saying or to care about Harry because there was actually so much on his mind. And I just, I don't think that they have the language or the bandwidth, or I don't think William has the bandwidth to care. And I think that's what Harry's really looking for. Just like, hey man, like here, I've had a different experience than you. Like, I, he, I think Harry just wants to be seen. And he's like, okay, yeah. if Willie won't see me, then the whole world will. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That was the big thing that, um, and you know, I have been, like I said, I'm triggered by this because of my propensity for wallowing, but that's what shifted my mindset about this book midway through the first part is that I was like, Oh, this is someone who feels he's never connected with anyone. And now he's literally just throwing out a lifeline. And even though it's cringe, it's like, that's what's going on. He's just like, can somebody somewhere, please care. Like just somebody care. That's why it's killing me that all the headlines are like, Harry will live to regret this. It's like, fuck that. Like, well, because I hope you're relieved no matter what anybody says. Yeah. I hope he feels relieved, but I do think he's going to regret it because this, like, if he does want to be, back in the fold with his family again this was not the way to go about it that's why people are saying he's going to regret it because he keeps saying yes i want reconciliation i think now that i've gotten my side out there blah 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 and it's like what what in the world would make you think that your family is going to be like yeah now that you've gotten all this off of your chest now we'll talk to you (laughs) because actually because that even though traditionally that is the opposite of how they've been raised if it really is time for a updated i actually think he's challenging them to continue to modernize which means hey men you actually are allowed to like have empathy and emotions too and yeah, but it's not just the men in that family it's everyone. no of course not. They're i'm just, just saying that now, it's king, now i'm just saying that because it's king charles and then king william this family has been so afraid of getting too emotional beating down the divine feminine even if elizabeth was the queen of all queens i don't know it'll be interesting to see how the say nothing pr because i think everyone is also very reactive right now which is like oh no another thing from harry who's actually living our dream life now like yeah on some level you know i live in the olive garden get to do what I want and get $20 million for telling my story that someone else is going to journal for me. Well, that's the thing that they're doing right now that is not very smart. The royal family, they're not, they're proving him right because his whole, his whole thing is like, oh, my family works with the press and they do speak. They do complain and explain through sources. Now, 
this is the thing. You don't know who the sources are in the stories. And this is why he actually does shoot himself in the foot a little bit when he says this, because the average layman is just thinking when they say a source close to the royal family, you're like, that could be bullshit. Now Harry has kind of confirmed that they're all actually sources close to the royal family. So it's like, dude, what are you doing? Stop. You're like stressing and affecting it, especially with like the the little dramas with him and Megan. But so yeah, like the big royal reporters, they are getting these multi-sourced reaction pieces out about how angry Charles and William are and blah, 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 blah. And now even if if those are actual sanctioned people that work for them, it's like you should they should tell them to shut up for a little bit because right it's proving what Harry says right that they speak in this mealy mouthed way through anonymous sources, which is not fair. But well, and also, he also at the same can... time, it could be somebody. It could be a gardener who has no idea who the fuck they are. Right. Just being like, "Ooh, haha, wouldn't it be funny if I call up the Telegraph?" And I'm like, "Guess what?" So that's what's so weird about it. And you know, I I guess the question that most people are asking is, is this going to force their hand into actually speaking? I do think actually speaking to the public is the worst thing they could do right now. I think the best yeah, thing they right could now, do right. Yeah. Yeah, the the best thing they could do, because they can't go through one by one and, you know, deal with every single claim he's made. No, the best best thing they can do right now is to say, make a public statement, Harry, we love you. Yeah, that's it. It's okay that you did this. And we're sorry that you have had such a hard experience. And we love you. And we hear you. That's it. They don't even I think they need to write him a letter saying all that stuff. Not even make it public. Someone will publish it. uh, Exactly. You know, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that like all Harry is doing is trying to push the needle forward, whether they are going to comply or not, just in the direction of like, hey, man, like I need to know that you guys love me and I don't know that you love me and all the money in the world and all the costs in the world and all the lofts and nothing in comparison to the way that he felt. I do think he shares very tender stories about how close he and William were. And he does share memories of his mother. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I was really, I guess, turned on by, I mean, I, I was, I loved his emphasis on, I mean, honestly, Harry, like get a reading. Like I, I <laughs> loved how much the stars and the universe and synchronicity was a part of his language and a part of he was describing seeing Saturn and and Jupiter and, you know, how important it was for him to feel connected to the, co- the, the larger cosmos and how much solace he found in the night sky. And I just thought he's one of us. He's one of us. I also thought it was interesting, too, because. I mean, I think a few times he said kind of what you are saying, too. Like, he keeps saying, like, something's going to give something. He's just he's he's trying to express what's that he's been trying. He's been searching. He can't find himself. Yeah, he can't find himself. And he doesn't know he doesn't. And he was very afraid about not really ever finding love. He was very afraid. No one would ever really. I, I think Megan really was a wonderful surprise. And I think their love story is very real. You know, he was talking about how, like, he loved to make a laugh. But then he's like, also his voice is like kind of sexy. But then he's like, I loved making Kate laugh, not only because like I'm, I'm, I'm the man. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said something along the lines of like her cool calculated exterior was actually hiding because she's also a cancer moon. Her cool mm-hmm. calculated exterior was, was hiding a much sillier bitch. <laughs> a sillier bitch. Something else that really struck me in the very beginning was how no one is explaining to him or William, I guess, what the fuck is going on. Right. I have yes. some highlights. Mummy was no longer part of the family. She either bolted 
have been thrown out, depending on whom you asked, though I never asked anyone. Wherever mommy was, I understood she was with her new friend. And she he had met her new friend, Donnie oh, like, Yeah, and I'm like, why are you introducing the kids to this random ass guy that you just met? I don't know why divorced people do that so often. I mean, you shouldn't bring the kids in to meet the person. I don't know. But he so yeah, like no one's explaining to him who this guy is. No one's explaining where the mom is, why she's not in the family anymore. And it just sets the tone for the whole rest of his life. And then like after she dies, no one, according to his retelling, no one ever talks to him about it again. And he's just kind of left to make sense of it on his own. It's insane. Well, that's that's sort of the end of part one where he actually enlists the help of I don't remember who it was. Was it a it was like somebody that one of his one of his bodyguards or something he got he, he inquired. He's like, I want to I want to see the police files like I, I want to see what mm-hmm. happened. I want proof that my mother's dead. And the guy was like, I wouldn't do that if I were you, Ari. And he was like, I can handle it. I've killed Apaches from the or I've, I've killed the Taliban from the Apaches. I could handle it if you picks up my mom. In yeah. Your or whatever but then she was like and then he like saw the crash pics and she's like she looks good (laughs) (laughs) i'm like all right he it's just funny he's like i met him in san tropez we we journeyed by royal yacht from the isle of Wight to the castle the yacht's final voyage sounds lovely and he's trying to make like a self-deprecating joke about the fact that he can't remember this time period very much and it's like harry the royal yacht the castle come on like, come on. This is the lack of self-awareness that kills me. The royal yacht, like. Well, I mean, you, you better hope that like the reason you, you better hope the reason that he can't remember is just because he's blocked out memories of his childhood because he's been trying not to cry about his mom all these years. But like Loki, you better hope he's not actually like the next memoir is like a, a repressed memory of the, all the assaults on the yacht or something. It's like, oh, Jesus. You know, I mean, I, maybe I'll cut that. I don't know if it's like anybody would like to hear that, but but you know what I mean. It's like it's like I don't know. It's like now that he's comfortable sharing too much, like well, maybe let this be. Let this memoir be the last, Harry. It's allegedly a three book deal, so no. we'll see what comes next. I know. Um, okay. After Diana died, he blames everyone wanting the flag to fly at half mast for her on the media. He said. They didn't care that the Royal Standard never flew at half mast, no matter what, that it flew when Granny was in residence and didn't fly when she was away. Full stop. They cared only about seeing some official show of mourning, and they were enraged by its absence. That is, they were whipped into rage by the British papers, which were trying to deflect attention from their role in Mommy's disappearance. Uh, Like, this is... This is conspiratorial thinking. I recall one headline addressed pointedly at Granny, show us you care. How rich, coming from the same fiends who cared so much about mommy that they chased her into a tunnel from which she never emerged. I mean, like, to to draw... Well, it's just like the paparazzi isn't the journalists. The journalists are not the YouTubers. Right. The YouTubers are not the people on Twitter. It's like... He's just like everybody in public is looking at me and no one's helping is like kind of what he's just trying to say. Right. But he's also I mean, the wrong language. He's so invested in this theory that the press is responsible for every single misery in his life. Mm. And also, I mean, the British papers, yes, they wanted they they whipped people into a rage about not flying the flag at half mast because that's what they do. They agitate about the monarchy in many different ways, not just with Harry. Couldn't he have the exact same complaint if he was like, and no one even cared that they didn't honor her death by flying the flag half mass. It's like, whatever it is, he's going to have a bad feeling he's about gonna, it. Exactly. Was murdered. Like she wasn't murdered. She, or, oh yeah. Murdered. Oh. Yeah. Like terrible mm-hmm. accident. But the people that were in the tunnel were French paparazzi. 
you know, like right. it's not like the sun is like flying out a, a paparazzo to Paris. Right. Like it's French paparazzi who got a tip that Diana's in town. So they want to make 30 grand off a photo. That's it. That's all it mm-hmm. is. It's not mm-hmm. this big conspiracy of like, these are the, I don't know. Yeah. You know, but so I just, but, thought but, I, think, was really... but I think I will say though, like, I guess, I think his point is not like the bloody media shouldn't exist. Cause like, actually what he also said was like grandma read uh, the paper top to bottom every single day. I think that's exactly his point. His point well, is think... we should be able to control them. Oh, I more got that. I I don't think he has a larger point other than like, as a child who lived this, here's how it felt. I, I, that's all. I'm, I, I don't. Because clearly, yeah, I mean, with the book, he, he, I just he, mean, yeah, he owns a media company. He's not anti-media. He doesn't understand that it's the same thing. Oh no! Yeah, he just—he definitely doesn't understand. Darn, <laughs> like, He's because he's always like, my family is always speaking through the media, and it's like, what do you think? How do you think we're hearing you right now through media? But whatever. But I think, we, but I, well, but but I think his point is like, now I am. And at least I'm showing face doing it, you cowards. But also, I think what the overarching point is, the family talks to the media more than they talk to each other. I don't think that's true. But if it is, then Harry is the biggest, the biggest culprit. Because in that walk in the graveyard, when William and Charles are like, we genuinely don't know why you're doing this. And Harry's like, oh, yeah. oh really? Well, and he's like, the first chapter. I know. And then he he's like, I couldn't believe they didn't know. So here it is. And it's like, okay, so you're, com- you're, you didn't sit down and talk to them about it. You wrote well, a no. book and you're hoping they're going to read it. Like, well, yeah, but I think, I think it's more- the, I'm sure it's a, com- it's a family wide problem. This lack yeah. of communication. I can only imagine with 30 bedrooms sprawling across the, the United Kingdom, how easy it would be to just let some details slip through the cracks about literally anything communication wise. The other way that he kind of muddles it up is he is putting across the message that every single royal source that's quoted in a UK paper is getting the explicit permission of the person they work for Mm. to give whatever statement they're giving. And it's Mm -hmm. just not true. It's just not the way it works. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of these people are just, you know, whether sometimes they're being paid for it because these people that work in these palaces don't make a lot of money. It's kind of a a shame. yeah, I want to rethink of, it if you guys want to protect your privacy. Exactly. It's kind of a job for like posh people who don't really need money, but want the prestige of working in a palace. Mm. So like it's like the ushers just, at the theater. Like he, oh, this is a perfect example. He goes through this story about, um, about how Camilla's first ever meeting with William was leaked to the press. And he's like, I can't believe Camilla. He, he, the way he tells it, it's like Camilla called up a reporter and was like, I recorded the whole thing. Here's what happened. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't mention the fact that after that happened, someone got fired for being the one that leaked to the conversation because Mm -hmm. it was a person who was friendly with Camilla and she was talking about it. it. It was either that or someone who worked for her. Yeah, yeah. She was working for her. Camilla was talking about it. This employee, her husband was a journalist. He was a big head of a paper. And she mentioned it to her husband and that's how it got in the paper. And 
they had and they fired her and they reported mm. to the press that they fired her. They were like, this was not coming from inside the house. This was because of an employee. And like Harry just doesn't mention that at all in the book. Now, also at the same time, cynically, you could say that was all a cover. And they just said to this lady, sorry, your head's going to have to roll for this one. Because with he, the heads. Because Harry's pissed, but like they wouldn't have leaked it in the first place. You know, like just there's some things where I'm like, I totally sympathize with you and with the way that your family does work with the press. They do. But then other times he's making connections, tenuous connections. Like for instance, with the whole rehab thing. And he's like, Oh, my dad's office didn't want to, they decided to lay down and play ball with the the press because it would make my dad look better to be helping his drug out to be a single dad helping a drug addled son and it's like in what universe does a teenager doing drugs make the parent look better you know like (laughs) it just doesn't really track and and then he's like like in that whole passage that's about the weed and the coke and the which is it is fucked up. He was a minor. For me, as a journalist, if someone said to me, I have proof that Prince George oh, is yeah. having paint. Yeah, that's bad. I wouldn't, I would be like, okay, take it somewhere else because it's none of our fucking business. He's 100%. a minor. Don't ruin but his life. He says that he was doing it at the time. Like, right, he literally like, is like, of yeah, course like, I was. I don't want people to report what I'm doing either. You yeah, know, but it's, it's like, he's, he, he, I mean, I was happy to hear that he did have some friends. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I love, he was, no, I think he's perfect for me. He's talking about it. He does all his shopping at TJ Maxx. He loves then just going home, smoking a joint and watching TV. I'm like, I I love you, Harry. Let's go look at the stars, baby. I know. It's just when you're, when your entire life is being publicly funded, like the public kind of has that you can argue there's a public interest in knowing if these minor princes are like doing drugs, maybe. Yeah. And, well, and well, Brad be a minor that. interest because we want to talk shit. There's, they we, we don't care if they're doing drugs. They don't, they're not responsible for anything. <laughs> yeah. But like, why are we funding these people then? You well, know, like that's because the, we want to gossip about what drugs they're doing, but that's the that's bigger why. question. And that's why the, yes. the papers are like, oh, if there's a kid in the Royal household doing drugs, it's an indictment of the character of the parents. So like hmm. maybe there is some public interest in knowing that these parents are fucked up and they're not looking after their kids. And why do they have 900 free houses on our tab? <laughs> right. You know, right. like while we're talking about them. Right. That's the point. That's like the justification for all yeah. of this, what you might call overreach or just journalism. So like, again, I wouldn't ever take that story as a journalist, but I get why someone else would. And I also think it's really funny that he spends like five pages being irate that these people are even threatening to write about him doing drugs. And then he goes, of course, I was doing coke. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, come on. Like you were, you were. Well, he said he had, no, I think he said he he was mostly a pothead. He had done it, but he wasn't like off doing it every day, he said. Hold on, let me find it because I... Uh, highlighted it because yeah, said, I noticed that too. I was like, all right, well, but I relate to that. <laughs> to find out exactly what Harry said about his cocaine use, check out the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Space Trash Podcast for part two of part one of Harry's Bear. Cheerio. Space Trash. Trash in space. Space Trash. Lifestyles, the rich and Uranus. Space trash. Celebrities, they're trash. But the astrology can help us understand. Transmission incoming. (laughs) 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.